class, Nurse Kylie here. Today marks the end of the first series of episodes, as I will be taking a short break during the holidays. After the first of the year, the episodes will resume with material related to cardiac and respiratory disorders, as well as cancer. Check back after January 1st. Now, on to today's topic, addiction. As a reminder, this episode is facilitated by Chapter 19 in Videbeck's Psychiatric Mental Health Nursing textbook. Let's begin. Substance use disorders are on the rise in the United States. As a nation, we are under siege by alcohol, opioids, and other drugs, both illegal and prescribed. Sadly, the number of infants suffering from prenatal exposure to these substances is exponentially increasing. Also on the rise is violence related to substance abuse. The statistics provided in Videbeck are horrifying, and as a nurse, it is no doubt that you will care for a client with a substance use disorder. Polysubstance abuse is on the rise and occurs when more than one substance is being abused. Alcohol is the most commonly used substance and is often paired with others. What exactly causes the use, dependence, and addiction are unknown, despite several studies. There are certainly a biological, psychological, and or social and environmental factors that play a role. Let's explore the types of different substances and treatments for those. Alcohol. By now, we all know that alcohol is a depressant that is rapidly absorbed into the bloodstream. Inhibitions are lost as the person relaxes and they can exhibit slurred speech, an unsteady gait, and impaired coordination, attention, and judgment. As these symptoms continue, a blackout may occur. An overdose can cause vomiting, unconsciousness, and respiratory depression. This can be life-threatening as aspiration can occur when the person is passed out but still vomiting. Those experiencing withdrawal can experience tremors, sweating, tachycardia, hypertension, inability to sleep, anxiety, and nausea and vomiting. Oftentimes, nurses will see these patients admitted to the unit to undergo supervision as they detox. A combination of medications, including benzodiazepines, are used to accomplish safe withdrawal, which allows the patient to undergo withdrawal on a more tapered schedule rather than immediately. The CIWA, C-I-W-A, tool is used as an assessment tool during this time. Sedatives, hypnotics, and anxiolytics. These medications are all CNS depressants, with benzodiazepines and barbiturates being the most commonly abused. When not taken as prescribed, patients can exhibit similar symptoms to alcohol intoxication, including slurred speech, lack of coordination, an unsteady gait, impaired attention, and stupor. Sometimes, these patients can end up in a coma. The onset of withdrawal depends on the half-life of the drug ingested. The best way to detox from these types of drugs is tapering the dose or ingesting smaller and smaller amounts to allow the body to adjust to the smaller dose. The amount of time needed to safely withdraw depends on the individual. Stimulants. Opposite of depressants, stimulants excite the CNS. Clinically, these types of drugs have a limited use as they have a high abuse potential. Examples of stimulants include amphetamines, or uppers, and cocaine. Methamphetamine is very dangerous as it is highly addictive and causes severe psychotic behavior. Though its use has seemed to decline over the years, it could quickly rise again. The onset of withdrawal occurs rapidly, just like the onset of the high. 
Too much can cause seizures, but generally, withdrawal does not cause life-threatening symptoms. It may cause a time of depression as the crashing down from the high occurs. Treatment is just time, and there are no pharmaceuticals to help ease the withdrawal. Cannabis. This substance is highly controversial as states are beginning to make small amounts of it legal to have. In some states, it is legal to have medical marijuana, some recreationally, and some both. Cannabis effects have made it very effective for managing certain disease symptoms. It can help curb nausea, help stimulate appetite in those undergoing chemotherapy, and reduce intraocular pressure for those suffering from glaucoma. Research is ongoing, and there will certainly be more developments both on the legal side as well as medical side of this controversial substance. Cannabis is quick-acting and peaks about 30 minutes and can last two to three hours. Intoxication is similar to the effects of alcohol with impaired motor coordination, impaired judgment, and distortions in time. Though excessive use can be known to rarely cause cannabis-induced psychotic disorder, overdoses do not occur. Opioids. These types of drugs reduce the perception of pain, both mentally and physically, and induce a sense of euphoria. Intoxication occurs immediately post-high with common symptoms being lethargy, impaired judgment, slurred speech, and severe intoxication can lead to coma, respiratory depression, and ultimately death. This classification of substances contains both prescribed and illegal substances. Fentanyl is a popularized choice as it is stronger than morphine and requires a smaller dose to create the high. Healthcare workers who abuse opioids often steal from their patients meaning they may remove a higher dose from the Pyxis, but only give a portion of it to the patient, keeping the rest for themselves. Withdrawal is brutal for these substances. Leg cramps, back cramps, anxiety, restlessness, and cravings are just a few of the initial symptoms that occur. As withdrawal progresses, more body systems become involved, causing a flurry of unwelcome symptoms ranging from a runny nose to GI distress to fever and insomnia. Methadone is often used to curb the symptoms, causing detox to feel more like a long-lasting flu. Hallucinogens. Reality perception is completely dysregulated by the use of hallucinogens. Presentation is that of a person suffering from psychosis with hallucinations being present. Ecstasy is a commonly known name and is considered part of this class of substances. PCP is another commonly known hallucinogen. Withdrawal is not associated with hallucinogens, though flashbacks and cravings can occur. Inhalants. When inhaled, these substances produce a high. Many of these substances are household items that are easily accessible and purchased, such as gasoline, paint thinner, glue, and spray paint. The inhalation of these substances can cause severe brain damage, peripheral nervous system damage, and liver disease. When high, Patients may become dizzy, cross-eyed, have impaired coordination, tremors, and muscle weakness. These substances also affect behavior, causing aggression, belligerence, apathy, and impaired judgment. Death can occur via bronchospasm, cardiac arrest, suffocation, and aspiration. Treatment is simple. Treat the cardiac and respiratory symptoms. No specific treatment or medication is used. Withdrawal is not associated with these substances, but cravings are. Substance use treatment. Alcohol treatment sets the precedent for other substance treatments. 
We have all heard of AA, or Alcoholics Anonymous, which is a 12-step program for recovery. This program was developed as a way for those with alcoholism to get together and become sober while supporting each other. Fast forward a few years, and there are now other programs, like AA, that are used for those with other substance addictions. Narcotics Anonymous and Al-Anon are just two of the several programs developed. Application of the nursing process. The nursing process begins with assessment. A history intake can serve as a way to collect information from the client as well as provide information related to their behavior, mood, thought processes, judgment, and self-concept. As always, understanding their relationships is imperative to helping to prepare a plan of care. A common nursing diagnosis is ineffective denial, unsuccessful attempt to ignore or minimize reality of events or situations that are unpleasant to confront. Nursing interventions include providing factual information while dispelling myths that might be said, encouraging the client to identify triggering behaviors, consistently redirect the focus back to the client's problems, and what they can do about them as well as positively reinforce successes, such as the client expressing feelings or insight regarding their addiction. Another nursing diagnosis commonly seen is ineffective coping, inability to form a valid appraisal of the stressors, inadequate choices of practice responses, and or inability to use available resources, especially when there have been a dual diagnosis of a substance use disorder and mental health disorder. Interventions include encouraging the client to express feelings, maintain contact with the patient, validate their frustration of the process, provide positive feedback, keep a clear line of communication, encourage self-reflection via meditation or journaling, encourage physical exercise, and education. The bottom line for any mental health disorder is the nurse is a vital resource, educator, and care provider. As the nurse, we need to ensure that we develop a therapeutic relationship via therapeutic communication with our clients to create an environment for best outcomes. Nursing Profession Reflection To conclude this episode, let's explore a concept that we touched upon earlier in the discussion. Healthcare workers with substance use disorders, specifically nurses. Unfortunately, in your practice, you may suspect a coworker has a problem and may not know what to do. The very bottom line is that you took an oath to do no harm, and not saying anything is placing patients in harm's way. You may hesitate, you may want to turn a blind eye, but just know that saying something is always the right thing for both you and your client. As we conclude our first season of episodes geared towards endocrine and mental health disorders, I truly hope that you enjoyed these topics and have gained information that you were not aware of before. I wish you all a safe and happy holiday season. Until next year, keep on accelerating. Thank you.